Hello, listeners. Welcome to System Mastery. It's the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. I'm Jeff. My co-host John is around here somewhere. And this week, we love vampires. I mean werewolves. Actually, what we really love is Prometheans. Nope, change my mind, it's ghosts. What if there was a 90s game that combined all those things and more? Well, there is, and it's called Nightlife, and it's by R. Lee Ermey, and we've got a copy, and here's a review of it. Boom! System Mastery. I like the nightlife, baby. She says. I like the nightlife, baby. She says. Let's go! Welcome back. I'm Jeff, your host. With me, as always, your host, John. John, how are you this week? I am energetic. I'm ready to go. I am ready to do the damn thing. You feeling pumped? I am so pumped, full of sparkling apple cider. Oh, man. We had a little holiday party last night, and I have like four bottles of leftover sparkling cider. And I've been going through it like it's just soda. Oh, it's so good. As soon as it hits your lips, you're like, oh, I'm ready to face the day. Ooh, so sugared up. Oh, yeah. So uh, before we get into this week's episode, I do have to read out a quick thank you to the person who gave us this bounty of a ridiculous book from the 90s. Oh, it's it's great, and I am excited about it. So uh, we've got a thanks going out to Dan, Dan Mulcairin, who, uh, who gave us this book along with a couple of others when we met up with him and a bunch of listeners uh, up in L.A. a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was, uh, it was us. It was James D'Amato. We went up there, met and Gret. I'm not familiar with, with this James D'Amato. You mean James Swingin' D'Amato? Big Swangin' D'Amato. Yeah, James Big Swangin' D'Amato. Yeah, we've got it right. Okay, good. So we're talking about the same guy. So uh, so the book was given to us by a fellow named Dan. He asked us if we get, if we were to use the book, which we were, of course we were going to use the book, uh, to read a little something for him online. So here, let me just read his ad copy for you. Smash Fiction is a podcast where each episode focuses around a hypothetical match between two or more fictional characters. Each character gets a couple of nerd advocates to argue on their behalf, with an impartial judge setting up an absurd premise and declaring a winner by the end of the episode. A lot of the time, it's a fight. Power Rangers versus Godzilla, Gandalf versus Dumbledore, Carrie versus Matilda, but there are plenty of times when it's not. We've had a battle of the bands between Spinal Tap and Flight of the Concords, a thievery contest between Black Cat and Catwoman, and a version of the Hunger Games that included Arya Stark, Wesley Crusher, and Hannah Montana. Each match includes a bonus lightning round wherein the judge throws a ridiculous task at them that the advocates haven't prepared for, meaning they have to improvise an answer for, say, why Brock Samson would make a better Pokemon trainer than Sterling Archer, or why Riddick could beat Daredevil in a dance-off. So again, that was Smash Fiction from Dan Mulcairin, who gave us the book. Thank you so much, Dan. Let's get back to it. Although, actually, that sounds like a fun premise. Oh, yeah, it's rad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm into it. I'm on board. So uh, what did we review, John? Or what will we review? What have we reviewed in the future already? Well, let's see. No, I'm asking, what have we reviewed? <laughs> Just well, go through each well, and every uh, one of them. Heroes Unlimited. Uh, uh, Buffy the Vampire but, Slayer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, God, I don't remember what through. Oh, Tales from the Floating Vagabond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Four was, ooh, Prime Directive? I don't know. I thought Prime Directives was five. Oh, man. That was four. Ooh, that's ooh, a baby. It's a mystery. Ooh, that's a spicy meat of ball. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, and that's only episode four of 80-something. God, it's it's almost like I'm old, and I can't remember back more than, like, four days. 
I, here's here's a weird thing. I remember off the top of my head that episode 51 was the one where we reviewed a bunch of micro games. Yeah, good. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why either. I don't know what 52 was. I know 50 was first edition D&D because it had to be. It had to. It, yeah, it was fated by the spheres. Yeah. So what did we review? Uh, Well, <laughs> this week we've got nightlife. We, we've got the nightlife, baby. Yeah, I and I, I got to tell you, I love the nightlife. I've got to boogie <laughs> on the disco. <laughs> what is? What are they actually saying right there? I don't know. On the disco night. It's a night or I don't know time. I think it's just aha. Uh-huh. It's just noises. It's like, it's like someone's singing a disco song. They know they don't actually have to do work. No. Yeah. So they just kind of go. I like to boogie on the Discord. It's, yeah, no, I mean, you basically hit the things you needed to do in a disco song. Yeah, you, you mentioned boogieing and the disco. Yeah. At this point, you may as well just give up because that's what you've done. <laughs> you've wrong. made a disco song. You're done. I am a person who enjoys dancing, and now I will dance. Yeah. The plot of any disco song. Congratulations, you did it. You've summed <laughs> up every disco song. Well, I mean, except for th- this is the thing about disco is we only remember like the 10 good disco songs. So whenever people our age are like, yeah, disco's not that bad. I mean, think about it. You've got that I Will Survive song. That song rules. You got that that Staying Alive. That's that's a good song. What about that? that, uh, that oh, it's the same song. I'm thinking of the Bee Gees Staying Alive. What about Staying Alive? And then there was the Bee Gees with Staying Alive. And of course, staying alive was a good one, but those songs are the good ones. There are like there, there's an insane amount of terrible disco that we don't know about, and that's the one we're talking about, where it's all just like I like to dance, I like to boogie. Okay, let's move on to the next track. <laughs> boogieing, dancing, 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 and boogieing. Okay, next track. I'm here at the disco, disco boogie. Like, okay, great. I get it. Man, we are already disco artists. <laughs> I, we're done. We are now published disco artisans. <laughs> we have some uh, some very fine disco for you here. We've laid down those tracks. We have sharpened our chest hair into a fine point. <laughs> we are ready to take it onto the, the disco <laughs> battle circuit. All of fighting my, other discos. All of my towels are either burnt orange or avocado green. I am a child of the 70s. There we go. I've got these flared bottoms on my bells. <laughs> God damn it. So Nightlife is a game set in mid-90s uh, fantasy New York where uh, there's a lot of vampires and what have yous all running around doing doing their nasty nighttime activities. <laughs> doing the nasty <laughs> I assume so. I mean, probably. I can't stop. It's, it's 90s New York. It's still all gross. Now, the thing about nightlife, when you first open it up, you're like, oh, it's a book about running around and you're sort of in human society, but you're a vampire or a werewolf or a ghost or a like Promethean, like some sort of animated thing. And you're or like, oh, man, you're a demon. Yeah. Wow. This is just straight up white wolf like. Man, they must have ripped this right off. Oh, but yeah. no. It's like, it, it, when you first open it, you're like, what if someone took the palladium system of how to write a book, which is to say, two-column format, soft cover, line art, and then applied vampire liberally? That's yeah. your first thought when you read it. But then you look at the year it came out. And it came out basically at the same time that Vampire the Masquerade did. Not vamp, not New World of Darkness, by, mind you. Yeah, well, or, Vampire the Masquerade, not or, Vampire the Requiem. Yeah, or even the concept of the old World of Darkness. 
This is before that. This is just when Vampire came out, before they knew they were going to do a werewolf book. Yeah, it's, it is right along in just this parallel evolution where both of these companies decided, yeah, 1991, this is the year that people need weird, different type of horror movie genre uh, RPGs. So White Wolf leaned heavily into the goth scene. Yeah, where- they went after live action, gothiness. Uh, they tried to attract a new audience, basically. Where this one appears to be trying to pick up the scraps of the old. Well, Nightlife really, instead of veering hard into the goth scene, they veered hard towards the uh, the Punks. movie scene. It's, yeah. it's splatterpunk. It's uh, lots of the sort of 80s schlock horror that was more like, oh, it's more graphic and it's a lot weirder. Uh, so that type of feel to it, they went with that rather than the more dour gothness yeah it's basically if uh if you were to sum up vampire the masquerade or requiem or whichever the first one was into a movie it'd probably be bram stoker's dracula right it's all gothy and swooshy and everyone's all like fainting like fainting into couches and and there's a monster there but he's mostly just trying to watch movies and like speak in a dumb accent and that's pretty much vampire it's it's very interview with a vampire yeah Yeah. that's good too but this is more like lost boys i mean if it wasn't set in a terrible New York, this would be Lost Boys. Yeah, it is very much all of the ideas that it has for the different types of monsters you can play as. Uh, you can see different influences from various movies. Like Vampires, you're very getting a Lost Boys feel for it. Uh, the Werewolves have uh, more of a The Howling type of feel to them. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the... Uh, like monsters in here, you can tell whoever wrote it was very big into horror movies. Yeah, but a very specific type of horror movie, not the not the swooshy romantic horror movies. No, but the ones where there's copious amounts of caro syrup with red food coloring in it. Yes, this is the guy who's like, no, I don't want the old style Dracula. I want the new style Dracula, where it's all just like people sitting in pools of blood and stuff. Yeah, I want that vampire that or that Dracula that's just the bad guy of the Blade Three movie. Yeah. Where, where Dracula is played by Heatwave from from uh, Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I want. I just realized that when I was I was rewatching that movie the other day, and I was like, oh my god, it's that guy. It's the guy from Prison Break. He's Dracula in this. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, this is like Vampire by Way of Fangoria. Uh, it's it's goopy, it's splatterpunky, but it's just it's so interesting because it looks it reads when you first crack it open like oh. This is someone who was like, oh, the entire world of darkness? I can get all that into one book. Yeah. So when you first look at it, it seems very derivative, but it is, like I was saying, just very parallel evolution. It just popped up around the same time. Yeah, it's parallel evolution. It's kind of like if you were a a scientist and you were like, well, this this aardvark is just a rip-off anteater. I don't even know why they bothered. (laughs) Nope, they, they came up on their own in different places and at different times. So, uh, one thing I really wanted to talk about with this book, uh, is the cover. (laughs) Well, I mean the art in general, but the cover, oh my God, is amazing. So, so to briefly describe the cover to you, we've got a sexy vampire with a Batman necklace and a roughly fringed vest, but gray skin wielding an eighties gray power mullet as if it were a sword and clutched in his hands is the most boobical version of where's Wanda I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, except that she also has a power mullet. Yeah, man. She is like 
100% business in the front and a ridiculous party in the back. Yeah, she's got like, the front of her hair says, I own Hot Rod magazines, and the back of her hair says, I'm the Predator. <laughs> like, spelled out. Her hair spells out, I am the Predator. And then her top is straight up a Where's Wanda top, but man, she has like Ralph Bakshi-style cartoon burn nipples. Oh, yeah, man. She is nips a-popping. It is very cold in that subway that they are in where a cougar train is coming down the line. That may sound like we're just talking crazy now, but no. They're sitting sitting on some subway tracks, and in the background, emerging from a tunnel, is the 915 ghost of a cougar. (laughs) It's the cougar train (laughs) is pulling into town. The ghost of a cougar is never late, but you... If you need to catch it, you're going to have to transfer to the U-line later. (laughs) But meanwhile, a couple more ghost monkey cats are attacking from the left. And there's a whole lot of graffiti saying just just dumb stuff. Oh, yeah. It's all like, if you want to be immortal, call 555-3824. Live forever. Uh. So, So, okay. So this game is basically, what if New York was infested with a whole lot of Every kind of cool undead you ever heard of, uh, but they're all related somehow because they are all of the kin. Well, the kin is sort of the catch-all for are you not human? So even if you, because they have sort of the main races that you can play as, as a player character, you can be like, all right, you can be the standard like vampire, werewolf, ghost, uh, white. Yeah, white, which is basically a gooey zombie. Uh, There's the animates, which cover the range from everything from Frankenstein to your Chucky from Child's Play to Christine, if you want to be a possessed car. Rowboats. Yeah, rowboats. Yeah, rowboats. You know, (laughs) rowboat cop. If you want to play an evil rowboat, which I assume has been a villain in at least one Stephen King book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sure. Why not? It's probably just called, like, Susan or something. <laughs> but uh, you get those, and that's going to be your standard, like, this is what you can be. Yeah, you've also got uh, demons. Oh, you, yeah, yeah, demons are one of them. And yeah, they have it, they have a difference between demons, which you can be, which it's demon, but it's A-E. Yeah. And then there are demons, which it's just standard spelling, D-E-M. Yeah. And demons are, like, the evil version of them yeah yeah so demons are the good ones demons are the bad ones and i feel like when we're listing out the playable races we would be remiss and and, and uh God, troublesome don't. indeed if we forgot to mention the best of the starting races that you can them. play in this I game i don't even want to mention them the nature spirits of of native american folklore which are called God. inuits god damn it just just inuits yep that's one of the races you can be one of the, you could be an Inuit, which is just a nature spirit. It's a nature spirit, which has some... Okay, so the reason that we're both hemming and hawing and laughing here is because Inuit, of course, is a word that's already been taken. Yeah. It's, and, it's, and it's not a monster. It's <laughs> it's It describes a group of the first people and some Native American groups that live in more northerly parts of North America. Uh, it doesn't describe any one particular tribe, but it is a term that means the people... It's uh, it it describes a whole group of actual people. This is kind of like if they had had a race in this game that was called Mexicans. Yeah, it's real weird. It's it's not cool. It, it, 
it's not like they're a bad race or bad guys or anything. They're just sort of capricious Native American nature spirits. But it does lead to some sentences that are just weird in context. <laughs> like when you see Inuits, known for their habits of dressing flamboyantly and act- acting eccentrically. You're like, what? Huh? Okay. <laughs> Inuits, who are all terrible at baseball. <laughs> what? That's the weirdest racism. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, d- didn't want to forget them. The one uh, race of monsters that are Native Americans. Yeah. And you're going to pick one of those. Yeah. And uh, almost like a point by thing, each of them has strengths and weaknesses. And uh, the ones who have a lot more strengths also have a bunch of weaknesses. So, like, when you first look at Vampire. Vampire gets a crap load of bonuses to their stats. Yeah, they do. They get the classic vampire array of being super strong and fast and beautiful. Yeah, their their whole deal is just a ton of extra stuff you get. Yeah. But uh, they have a shitload of weaknesses. They have one of my favorite sidebars in the book, no less, which is where uh, they have the standard conversation between a human and a vampire where the human asks the vampire which ones of the myths about their weaknesses are true. And he's like, well, crosses are bullshit. And it's like, okay, let's go through the list. Crosses are bullshit. Silver don't do anything. Sunlight works, but it's got to be real sunlight. Garlic works for some reason. Also, if you put a lemon in my mouth and bury me at a crossroads and I get too confused to rise up and devour the living, (laughs) I can't have sesame seeds on my foot. But definitely something that isn't real is that I, I can't be killed by my uncle. Like, But no, it's everything works except for crosses. No, that works. They have a a vulnerability, too, and the vulnerabilities are all extra damage you take. So it's sunlight, fire, running water. Which is real bad. Garlic. Yeah. uh, I remember now, the only one that wasn't real was that they can see themselves in the mirror. Yeah, unless you are a very specific type of vampire. (laughs) There is several versions of vampire in this, because there's the one you can play as, and then there's two sections of like other monsters in this book as yeah, well. Yeah, some of which are technically playable and some and, and some of which are not. Yeah. And there's like five different other vampires in here. Yeah, and one your, of them is like, "Oh, this one can't see itself." There you go. Yeah, you got your Nosferatu's and your your the, the, what's, the, what's the Japanese vampire called? <laughs> the Japanese vampire. Like the, it's like U- Udo, Uno or Ubu or something. The, the, the I think it's Udo cuz I kept thinking Udon. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I keep thinking Udo Kier would play one of these. But no, yeah, they uh, wanted to add an extra Japanese vampire, which is a real weird choice because Japan is doesn't really have a vampire thing. Yeah, I mean, you can you can get like weird Japanese monsters. You've got the Kappa you could throw in there, which is oh yeah. I mean, you get at your least... Onis and all kinds. They got, they're big on ghosts too. Yeah, but going through the book, there's a shitload of monsters from various other cultures. But man, no Oni, no Kappa, nothing. Just a made-up Japanese vampire that is not part of traditional vampire myth. It's weird. Of all the things you could have picked to be, like, your monster from Japan, they just made up a vampire. I'm kind of sad that they didn't use the animates with Japan and give us, like, you know, mechs. (laughs) It would have been pretty great if we got, like, the 1992 version of that. Get some of them, uh, oh, God, I can't remember any of their names now. But whatever, giant robots from 1992 Japan. There you go. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, the, uh... The big thing with those is once you pick that, you get your package. So it's the bonus. <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs> is it a big package, John? Do you get a big package? Well, that depends on uh, what you pick. 
Oh, okay. Sometimes you can pick a big package, but sometimes it's a little package, but it's still useful. <laughs> it's not the size of the package. Uh, it's how many drawbacks you take. Yeah, so this doesn't have a system where you can pick and choose. Because, like, vampire, you could pick and say, oh, yeah, my vampire actually is, like, uh, affected by holy symbols, whereas normally you aren't. Whereas this is, if you pick werewolf, you just are vulnerable to silver. It doesn't matter. You are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Literally everything in the book is vulnerable to fire to varying degrees. Yes. So usually it's double damage from fire. Some things are triple damage, but... It's the only thing that is, across the board, a vulnerability. Yeah, no one likes fire. Uh, So, you have a bunch of things you pick that way, but then when you go to actually make your guy, you have to roll up your stats. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a down-the-line roll. Yes, it is. And it's 4d10 per. Right, so your average roll for a stat for a human would be a 20, but of course you're going to get these big old bonuses and occasional penalties to your stats based on which one of the kin you are. Yeah. So if I decide, all right, I'm going to be a vampire, I'm going to get like a plus 20 to my strength, I'm going to get a plus like 10 to dexterity, I've got a plus 10 to how attractive I am, and Which, I may as well go through the, the stats. Yes, please do. Please start listing off the stats. Okay, so you've got your average ones for any given game. So you've got strength, you've got dexterity, you've got intelligence. Yes, those three are there. Uh, this one adds fit which is basically your constitution, but in this game is noteworthy for how many times you can resurrect yourself. Yeah, you got to resurrect yourself, and eventually, if you resurrect yourself too many times, you'll end up jiggity-checking yourself. Yeah, well, you have to resurrect yourself before you resurrect yourself. <laughs> well, if you wreck yourself, you resurrect yourself. Uh, and so it's if unless you die the true death, mm-hmm. which there are a couple ways for any given thing, so... Like, if you're a vampire, if someone stakes you and cuts your head off, or you are submerged in running water, or you're left out in the sun, then you die the true death. Yeah. But if someone were to just, you know, reduce you to zero hit points, you would die, but then you would come back uh, the next evening. Yeah, the very next day. Which is why you can also play as the cat. Yeah. (laughs) Then you'll come back the very next day. Yeah, even if they thought you were a goner. Nope. (laughs) You came back. (laughs) The very next day. Yeah, it turns out that you just can't stay away. (laughs) So, uh, your fit, whatever that score is, is how many times you can do that total. So, if I've got a fit score of 19, I can die and come back 19 times before I die. Right. Uh, Before you really die. Before I'm actually full on dead. So, uh, the next one is your ATT, or your attractiveness. Which is interesting, because this game officially passes the seduction skill test... But not the stat test, because in this game, attraction is how hot you are to members of the opposite sex. Yep. Uh, however, the seduction skill in this just says being able to make people think you're sexy. Yeah, so the seduction skill passes, but unfortunately the book is still going to get a failing grade, which what are you going to expect from 1992, eh. uh, where wherein the attractiveness stat only works on members of the opposite sex, no matter what you're trying to attract. Yep. Even in 1992 New York, which was a very <laughs> gay place indeed. And even if you're just some weird gross monster. <laughs> There's that too. Most of these monsters are super gross. Uh, you also have perception as a stat. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you get luck. Yeah. Luck works a little differently than the other ones, but you still roll 40-10 for it. It works for a couple of different things. 
Uh, this game uses luck as the skill or as the uh, substitute for skills you don't have. So if you don't have a, a skill in say driving and you need to drive a car, you roll one fifth of your luck score, and the game's percentile based. So you try to roll under one fifth of your luck score. Yeah. So if uh, you were trying to do something that was just a straight like strength roll, you try and roll under strength. Mm-hmm. If you were using a skill, then you take your Skill plus stat, whatever it happens to be, mm-hmm. and try and roll under there. So 40-10 for all of those, plus the bonuses you accrue for being a particular member of the kin races. Uh, and then you're going to head over to skills, which is where this game shows its <laughs> I'm an old game roots. Yeah, and has 109 skills. And not only does it have 109 skills, but the way you get to pick which skills you have is you are given 20 rolls of a D10. Yeah, so... You have 20 D10 dice rolls, and let's say I want to have some skill in, uh, let's let's say, shooting guns. So I want firearms. Uh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get however many D10 I want, and let's say I want to be good at it. I'm going to take four of my 20 D10s. I'm going to put them into there. Mm-hmm. Then I get to roll my D10s and see what the actual score is. Yes, you can't you can't roll and then assign again if you get a low score. You have to do all your assigning before you get to roll the dice. Well, you well you can afterwards. So if I say I put four D10 in this, I roll uh, yeah. I roll those, see what I got, and then if it's low, I can keep assigning more. Yeah. But if I wanted to go, all right, uh, I want to get like a decent score in something. I'll put five dice in it, and I roll like shit. I now have to just keep throwing dice until it's good, which means I might just run out of dice to put into skills before I get everything I want. Hey, man, maybe your character could suck. That'd be an interesting role-playing challenge. Why don't you get out of your power gaming mindset and learn to play the game? (laughs) I know, right? God. I I get 20 D10 to put in these 109 skills, so... Good. Great. There's a few too many skills. That is definitely true. And the whole thing where you have to roll to see whether or not your skills are any good. Yeah, it 100% fails the John test for a game because skills are fucking worthless. The John test? Do you really think you need to be that arrogant and name a rule after yourself? Yeah. Jesus, man. Some kind of some kind of arrogant douchebag that would do that. <laughs> All right. So... After skills, we're going to go to edges. Yep. So everyone has uh, a list of common edges. These are your superpowers that sort of everyone can do. Uh, What they did as a thing for this is there's one that is called drain that everybody gets. It is for certain things like uh, if you are a vampire or I think a white or a few other ones, you have to drain a certain amount of whatever your preferred thing is per night. Mm-hmm. So if you're a vampire, you need like 10 hit points worth of blood per night. And if you're a white, you need to drain like 10 hit points worth of life force per night. Right. And if you're an Inuit, you need to also, I think it's also life force. Yeah. Yeah. Most but- of the things are either life force blood or occasionally flesh flesh there are weird ones like werewolf is like terror as so so is the ghost yeah ghost and werewolf are like oh i feed off of fear okay great weird so they need to scare people and then and then some of them are like some of the grosser monsters like oh i need to goop you up with my eye organs and then and then drain goop out of you it's i still drain you with blood but i have to like 
I'm a bug man and I have to get all of my bugs to surround you and they bite you and drain blood through that. And you're like, ew, that's super gross. Uh, the weird thing with the drain yeah. is depending on what you are, either you have to do it every night or you can do it voluntarily. Uh, draining is the easiest way for people to get healing. So for every hit point you drain from someone, you get that hit point back. So if I'm super fucked up and damaged, I can go up to some mortal and just drain their life essence if I'm a ghost. Yes, for example, any member of the herd, you can go and you can drain. Ah, uh, yes, the herd. Because that's what we call mortals in this game. Humans are the herd. Yay. So uh, everyone gets drain, and they all get weird versions of drain. And, and the other thing is, there's addiction or not to drain. I was going to say, addiction becomes addictive. Or, I'm sorry, addiction becomes addictive. Yeah. Drain becomes addictive to humans if you do it to them too often. And if it's certain things. So, like, uh, the werewolf one feeds off of, I think it's pain, actually. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that can't be addictive. But the bite from a vampire or getting your life force drained from an Inuit, that can be addictive. And so that's how you get Crowleys or Renfields. Yes, which are exactly what they sound like. They're adherents or people who follow you around because they're either addicted or dedicated to you. Yeah, so the Renfields are addicted to you and they're little toadies. The Crowleys are more just human, like, retainers. These are just guys who are on your side. Yeah, they're vampire groupies. They're maybe not necessarily ones that are obsessed with having their blood drunk, but are just vampire groupies in general. They're like, hey, we are on board. We like what you're doing. We're all about it. Let's go. Right. Uh, so, you know, for example, if you have a couple of these guys, then you could have a situation where, like, I don't know, let's say a white and an Inuit walk into a bar. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, what? Stab it. <laughs> okay. Stab it. Yeah. There's a, a white and one of the white women and an Inuit. Yeah. <laughs> this Inuit walks into a bar and he's like, hey, where are all the white women at? And they're like, oh, there's a table of them over there. And there's these ghost women. <laughs> <laughs> this is a stupid book. All right. So uh, the edges are interesting in that they never work especially well on other on other members of the kin. Yeah. So uh, anytime you have something like uh, if I've got like I'm a ghost and I have an edge that lets me spookify people and I'm like, here, I've got a thing that lets me scare you so I can feed off of you. It doesn't really work on members of the kin. Right. Now, you wouldn't want really want to drain members of the kin anyway. You can, but it can actually be addictive to you, and then you become a monster that eats your own kind. Yeah. And um, then, well, at that point, you're like, oh, man, I am, I am addicted to trying to drink blood from other kin members. So now I, I have the choice of either being some kin member's toady or turning into a serial killer that just drains the kin. Right, and you don't want that to end up. It's just it's an emergency measure that's available to you. But there's all these cool edge powers. You know, like, oh, I've got super claws, and I can breathe fire, and I can turn into a bat, and I can control the bodies of mortals and so on that primarily only work on mortals. Uh, if you try to use them against the kin, you take a minus 50% penalty to your attempt to do it, and even if you succeed, they take less damage from it. So the the edges, like I said, you've got the generic ones that everybody has access to, and that's just stuff like uh, claws, drain, also infection, which is turning other people into your type of kin, uh, which a lot of them get. Occasionally you'll get ones that are like, oh, you can only infect people if they die in a certain way. Right. But uh, 
so everyone has access to those and there's a fairly decent amount of generic edges you can get. It's interesting because some of the edges are repeated between different types of kin, but are simply better for some kin than others. For example, vampires have the ability to turn into wolves because of Bram Stoker's Dracula. But werewolves have the ability to turn into good wolves. Oh yeah, they have their wolf form, which rather than just being like, I am a wolf, like a vampire does, it's, I am a like werewolf movie wolf yeah where it's like brotherhood of the wolf giant wolf type wolf yeah but you can be a big ass wolf which is for some reason better than being the you know john talbot style werewolf yeah like the lycanthrope form the you get a plus like 10 or 20 no it's plus 20 to your strength in werewolf form but then a plus 30 as a wolf I was like, really? That's kind of odd. Yeah, wolf is just better than werewolf. I mean, I, I guess it's fine as long as you turn into a really big wolf. And as long as the werewolf form is one of those shitty ones where they don't even use makeup. Well, it's it's one of those ones where it's like the original Wolfman. Well, what's the Benicio Del Toro one where he literally Wolfman. just... Where he literally... It's just, yeah, Wolfman remake where his werewolf form is literally just Benicio Del Toro all sweaty and grumpy. Yeah, that's my wolf form. <laughs> my wolf form is I have a furrowed brow and I have sweat on me. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, whatever that uh, werewolf movie was with Jack Nicholson where right. he's all just angry and Jack Nicholson-y. I took a hair pick to my sideburns. Puff those up a little bit so I kind of look like uh, Chester A. Arthur and, oh, I'm a werewolf. Yeah, so the uh, the edges that you get that are specific to whatever your race is, like turning into a mist or a bat or a wolf as a vampire or getting a werewolf form or whatever, uh, some you start with. Mm-hmm. It'll give you like, oh, what are you, uh, a vampire? Great. You can start with drain and infection and you get the ability to like have claws or something and that's like your starting package of edges you start with and then you can pay for extra ones and you can pick from either the list of things that everyone gets or the ones specific to you and if you're wondering how you pay for them well now we need to talk about one of the more interesting mechanics in this game which is the humanity system yeah i mean white wolf had humanity for its vampires yep uh, but it was a 1 to 10 track, and it was mostly just a, if you did something really crazy, uh, good or bad, if you spent some XP, you could raise it, or if you were, like, frenzied and murder a bunch of people, it might lower. But it was just sort of a role-playing thing it was for most cur- of the time. It was the same kind of curse mechanic that they put into every one of the White Wolf games. Like, for example, where you had uh, Disquiet for the Prometheans. It's the measure of how monstery you are. Yeah, but in this, it is almost like your mana for the game. It's a lot of stuff. It's how monstery you are, it's your mana, and it's your XP. Uh, Well, it's not your XP, really. Well, you use it to buy powers and stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's weird because you... You spend humanity to do things. Like, let's say I want to use one of my edges. Uh, I want to go ahead and fly. I have flight as an edge. Uh Uh-huh. The use of that might cost me, say, five of my humanity in order to fly because humans don't fly, and so I have a bit of a disconnect with my humanity whenever I do something that humans can't do. Right. Right. So effectively, it, rep- it, it you can 
get more monstery over the course of a game by just constantly doing monster things. The book even goes so far as to say that when you use your monsteriness, when you use your edges, that you lower your humanity, you look more like a monster. You read more as a monster every time you do it, even if you're not doing anything. Yeah, so if uh, I've got a humanity score and I'm up in like the 80s or something out of 100 of humanity, I'll probably start looking more like a human. You know, if I'm a white, normally they look kind of like weird and corpsey, but I'll, I'll look more like a human and less like a corpse. But if I drop down to like 20 humanity, I'm going to start looking kind of desiccated. Uh, I'll look like, you know, I've been buried for a while. I'll just look corpsey. Right. And having a 100 humanity is indistinguishable and identical to being a human. Yeah, for basically anything that isn't uh, one of the weirder monsters. Because the standard monsters you can be, uh, those are all like, yeah, if you get to 100 humanity, then great, you just look like a human most of the time. Right. Uh, but yeah. if you get to like 100 humanity and you're an ogre, then it doesn't matter. You still just look like an ogre. That's true. There are uh, two humanity stats. One of them is your current humanity. The other is your maximum humanity. Uh, your maximum humanity cannot exceed 100. If it does begin to exceed 100, that is how you get the ability to start uh, spending XP on edges and stuff. Well, it's it's not that it can't exceed 100. It's you get... Uh, the way humanity works is at the end of the session. Yeah. If you are below zero, because uh -huh. you can spend into the negative if you want to. Yeah. For every 10 points you need in order to get to positive you lose one from your max humanity score. Right. So if I end the session and my humanity score is currently at, like, negative 30, uh, it's going to take three tens for me to get up there. Same thing if it was 27, because you'd still need another 10 to get above. Right. Uh, then I'm going to lose three from the maximum of humanity. So if I had a 100 max humanity, it would drop down to 97. Right. Now, if I want to raise that back up, and I've got a 97 humanity... I would have to end the game and be like, oh yeah, my current humanity score is 120, and now I've got to lower my humanity score down to below whatever my max is, but for each 10 it goes down, I get plus one. Yes. So it's whatever it ends on for the session, which means basically right before the session ends, if you don't care about your max humanity, if you're at like 100 and you don't give a shit... Use as much crap as you want. Just go hog wild and use all your edges because you'll be like, oh, I got minus one to my humanity. But if you want it to raise up, your entire session is going to be, all right, well, I can't use any of my cool powers. I can't feed on anyone. I just have to walk around talking to humans and being a nice person. Yep. Why don't we talk a little bit about the setting of nightlife? Well, it's New York. Yeah, it's 90s. It's early 90s New York. Uh, they've really wanted to stretch out New York and lay it out and, and say, here's all the places you can go to and here's all the things you can do. So there's all these little sections, almost as if they were character descriptions for different like neighborhoods. So they'd be like, Harlem. Harlem's primary population is Afro-American, because that's the term they were using at the time. Uh, here's the different gangs that you'll find there. Here's the different types of industries that are happening there. Here is the elemental spirit that guards these people. Yeah, there's a, uh, a lot of sections for the book that are the other weird supernatural things, because it throws just 
spaghetti at the wall with everything. Yep. It is like, yeah, all the monsters, whatever. Here they go. Uh, one of the sections, though, is for elementals. And the elementals are sort of removed from your standard kin because they don't really uh, care too much. Like, the kin are, like, infected humans for the most part, whereas the elementals are just spirits of something. So it's, you're a water elemental or an earth elemental, so they aren't really the same as the kin. Right. But you have a city elemental, the concretes. The concretes, which are basically really more like urban elementals because they really exist more because of the people that are in the city than because of the buildings in the city. Yeah, so they represent a section of a town that is both like what the town looks like, how it's doing like with prosperity, who lives there, all that is going to be reflected in what the spirit is. So if you've got something like one of the more powerful ones is the spirit of Liberty Island, who is just called the guard. He looks right. like one of the guards that goes around that, uh, like the Statue of Liberty. Uh-huh. And he's super powerful because it's the Statue of Liberty. But then I was looking at it and I go, yeah, but that doesn't really matter. Like, I guess if someone wants to fuck up the Statue of Liberty, he'll be there. But it's not really like anyone is hanging out living there. No, there's so not he doesn't really have a lot of people either. to protect. Yeah, no, it's... He pretty much... I Because I, he can't leave, so... I feel like if they extended his range a little bit, then he'd be a bit more useful of a character. But it's kind of fun to know that there's a super powerful elemental living out there. Unfortunately, the super powerful concrete elemental living on Statue of Liberty Island is not the Statue of Liberty. I was a little disappointed about that. No, the Statue of Liberty is just the Statue of Liberty. No, it should come to life and walk around while higher and higher by Jackie Wilson plays. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Uh, that's the only thing that it should do. Uh, and... The uh, the concretes are much more invested in humanity than a lot of things because they are a representation of the city. They are very uh, big on protecting their part of the city, which includes both protecting the city itself and the people in it. Right. So, like I was saying, this is a very New Yorky game. It wants you to know that there's all these gangs running around, that there's constant intrigue happening between the Yakuza and the Czars, which is the gang from Russia. For some reason, they've imported the Bloods and Crips. Which was weird. They're like, oh yeah, the Bloods and Crips are here. And at first I was like, oh, you know, that would be that would be kind of funny if you're like, oh, the, the Bloods are a vampire, and then you've got the Crypts, and that's the Whites, and it'd be it would be funny. But no, it's it's actually just literally the Bloods and the Crips from uh California. The, the problem being that Blood or Crypt are, are too good of names for this guy to, or this book to have come up with on its own. No, because the actual, gangs. like, kin gangs in this are, I'm the Gore Boys. Yeah, you got the Gore Boys, the Bubonics. Yeah, it's all just weird, goofy shit that they're, you they're, wouldn't be. They're too overthought, is the thing. They're always things like, the Hairy Men, and you're like, no, no one would call themselves that. Yeah, that's not a thing. That's not a gang name. I'm sorry. Yes, try again. The names are even worse. The gang names that people have in this are the funniest shit in the world. Huh. You have all these guys named things like Johnny AB1. Yeah, you've got just names for people that they're like, what are you? I'm Sam X. I'm I-O-V-L-T-P. I'm Dr. Torturer. Yeah, it's... Very oddly edgy. Yeah, <laughs> it's edgy in a way that's like, oh, hang on, that's 
it's like post-ironic appreciation of edginess at this point. When you look back at this and you're like, oh, that's cute. You've got a, a female woman, a, a character named W.O. Babylon. Hey. Do you get it? Do you get that? It's a Whore of Babylon reference, but we're calling her W.O. because that's gangy sounding. <laughs> the uh, So the main things that you are going to interact with in this game, uh, there are the different factions. So you've got the commune. The commune is the like pro-human kin. The Camarilla, if you will. They want to make it so that people don't know that there are monsters. They want to protect the humans. They're just sort of the nice monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the opposite side of that is the complex. The complex hate humanity. They want to rule humanity, turn them into an actual herd. Uh, they're just the asshole bad guys. Yeah, so there's there's those, and then there's, of course, there's an evil corporation. Yeah, you get the Morningstar Corporation, and of course it's called the Morningstar Corporation because it's run by a daemon, which, ha-ha, uh-huh. Lucifer Morningstar. There's a lot of, this book has a lot of that post-Satanic panic Christian transgression stuff in it. Oh yeah, one of the main NPCs who's like, oh, I'm a neutral, and I just run the big, like, Switzerland area where all the people can go that are kin is named Golgotha. Which, if you don't know, is the name of the hill that Christ was uh, crucified on. Yeah, so, and of course, again, there's a major NPC named Whore of Babylon. It's like right after Satanic Panic petered out and ended, a lot of game companies really went above and beyond to dip right back into sort of playing with Christianity as one of the brushes in the toolkit they had. Yeah, they were like, oh, well, now that the Satanic Panic thing has worn off, we want to get some notoriety, because D&D blew up because of that yeah. so they're like all right well how can we like bait christians into giving us free pl- publicity right and so you had all these games with characters named things like golgotha and god killer and so on yeah uh so this book is rife with that it- it's rare that you encounter a character that doesn't have some sort of ironic christian name the- you have that one ghost in it that was named like i have survived life and death and live beyond or something uh it's like, I am alive, I've triumphed over death or something, but it's all just an acronym, so the name of this ghost is like I-A-T-L-O-D. Yeah. So yeah, uh, basically the idea is that you're supposed to play as these gritty, punky, murder vampires and werewolves and stuff in New York. It doesn't, I mean, there's all these villains and so on, but mostly the way when you read through the book, you're feeling like, what am I supposed to do? Hang around in gangs and get in fights, I guess? Pretty much. Like... The the main things they give you is you can try and stop the complex. Right. Uh, you can, like, either get involved with or try and stop some of the machinations of Morningstar, although they're mostly just a greedy corporation rather than actively evil. Yeah, you can uh, you can defend against the incursions from the wormholes. Yeah, that's, that's your main monster thing. Of, yeah. Like, if you're a one of these monsters the actual monsters that you are scared of are things from a place called wormholes and it is actual wormholes yeah it's not portals to other dimensions it's literally holes dug by giant worms yeah and it's full of things like uh weird bug monsters and slug stuff and then there is demons and things like that yeah there is a giant worm that is sort of like the big boss that you could find in a wormhole Mm -hmm. and it is i mean it's huge and has a ton of hit points and can fuck you up and 
that's sort of your your big end game boss of running around in a wormhole. You know, I'm actually going to take back my earlier comment that this book doesn't feel like it gives you anything to do. It actually gives you a ton to do. It's an interesting premise. You play as weird, gross, punky monsters in a world where humans don't know monsters are there, even though they are constantly there, and there are thousands of them. Well, yeah, it was one thing when they first went like, all right, here's the like six or seven uh, monster guys you can be. And you're like, all right. You know, in a city that has millions of people, if there are like a hundred werewolves total in the city, that's not going to attract too much attention, sure. But then they're like, all right, not only are there all these, there's fucking bug men and there's guys who are weird Native American spirits that hate you and they look exactly like humans and there's a whistling sound and there's pangolin and it's it's a dude who can rip his head off and fly around with his guts dangling beneath him. Well, it's, it's, I mean, that's a Filipino thing or a melee thing and it's almost always ladies. Well, man. It's almost always ladies who's so ahead. This one is a weird German one. Yeah. Is the pangolin. What? That's stupid. Why would they take a myth from, like, Southeast Asia and put it in Germany? I don't know, man. It's weird. They were like, here you go. We spelled it wrong, and we said it's from Germany. And there you go. There's a pangolin. <laughs> okay. I mean, even the art that they used in the book has a vaguely Asian lady's head atop the standard sea of goopy organs. Yep. Just all your innards. Yeah. The pangolin, or pernagolin, or whatever you want to call it, is one of my favorite of the of the vampire types, because, you know, it's just a floating goop head. And it's, oh, well, how does it feed? It puts all its goopy bits around you. Eventually it cuts off your head and then sticks its body down in there and take, uses its head to take over your body. It's a really, it makes for great horror movies. Yeah, it's a super weird deep cut to yeah. put in here. And the fact that, like, that's in here and a bunch of other more common ones aren't is odd. Yeah, but, you know, there's some fantasy stuff in here in case you felt like that was really missing. If you're like, man, this game where I play a vampire that hates a werewolf biker doesn't have enough goblins and orcs in it. Well, you're wrong. It's got those things. You're good. You've got goblins. You've got orcs and trolls and ogres. Of course, it's a, like, goblin, so it's like G-O-B-B-L-Y-N-N-E. So it's like a goblin that's made with like a made out of wicker and you can buy it at the local tourist market. <laughs> Welcome to ye old goblin shop. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, you've got some more mythology weird things. So you've got like Medusa and you've got some Rakshasas in there. The Rakshasa, by the way, straight up. The poster, appearance, everything. The night, the 80s horror movie Cat's Eye. Yeah. That's all it is. It is just, hey, did you want to play the, the couple of villainous cat people from the movie Cat's Eye? We've got you covered. Yeah, and instead of being like an actual like cat-headed person, it's just like, oh, I've got like cat eyes. Ooh. Now, the other thing in this which is interesting is they took a lot of stuff as well from uh, like horror movies. Like I had said uh, at the beginning, they've got the shocker is a type of uh, monster in here, and it is just straight up the villain from the movie Shocker. Yeah, and of course you can use an animate to create Chucky from Child's Play. Uh, there's a monster that looks suspiciously like a cross between two of the uh, the Cenobites. Uh, there is one that is called a Toxix, and it is 100% the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> like, the picture of it is literally just the Toxic Avenger. Wow, that is definitely just the Toxic Avenger. You also have... Let's see, there's also Sergeant Kabukiman. Yep, there yeah. is indeed. Yeah, He's one of the NPCs is an ogre who was, like, raised by kabuki guys. 
Yeah. So big fans of trauma films here. Yeah. Which is weird because I don't know if any of you guys have ever tried watching a trauma film, but uh, it's hard. They're real bad. But considering these guys right at the start are like, oh, we're into splatter punk. I'm like, okay. So that means you're into shitty gore movies. All uh, right. Oh, you know, I, I just realized I really need to apologize for the very, very, very beginning of the episode when I said the book was written by R. Lee Ermey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's written by L. Lee Cerny. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. I thought it was, I, I thought it was R. Lee Ermey, you know. Whoops, sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing that has, it's very kind of weird to me in this, is it has zombies, but it is not your Romero zombies. It's... Sort of a cross between that and the voodoo zombie. Nice. So it's like, what is this? Uh, it's kind of a brainless undead that follows your commands, and it doesn't really need to eat flesh, but it doesn't have... Like, it is dead, but it is your standard, like, slave zombie thing. Okay, so, so it's, it's like a voodoo zombie. It's it's a voodoo zombie that is an actual undead. Though. That is also dead. Yeah, it's weird. Okay, so basically what I'm hearing is that the zombies in this game, not the whites, because the whites are a playable race of dead guys, but they, they look like, like gooey corpses as opposed to looking like dried up, desiccated corpses. The zombies in this follow the Weekend at Bernie's 2 rules. Pretty much. Which is an actual dead guy, follows your commands, Dances when it hears Calypso music, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. Am, am I right? That's another thing about the zombies in this. Is that yeah, they, that's they, that's one hundred percent in the book. It's canon. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> just, no one's gonna argue with us. Uh, yeah, one of the like main NPCs in here is a bartender that is a zombie. <laughs> nice. You know, one of my favorite zombies ever was in uh, the Sigil game, the the Planescape Sigil. Yeah, where they had the one zombie that was just the signpost. Yep. Like, what's your job? Stand here. People are going to hammer things into you, and that's your life. Yep. But whatever, you're a zombie. You don't care. <laughs> you don't care. You don't know. So, all right, then. Uh, you want to do your favorite and least favorite things, John, about Nightlife? Sure thing. I will, indeed. Great. So, 1992's Nightlife by L. Lee Cerny. John, what is your favorite thing? Uh, Favorite thing? Gosh. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, the diversity of the monsters in this mm -hmm. given that at the time the uh the tendency for things like white wolf to focus on a monster or even if they did have multiple ones it would just be like a couple in a grouping whereas this has a just a shitload of monsters and it does have optional build rules to be them so if you really want to be like nah man screw being a werewolf i want to be like a pangolin and I want to run around with my guts out, you can technically do that. Oh yeah, it's real easy. The rules are there for you to play as the grocer of the monsters. It's just they left it so that you were more likely to play the more accessible monsters for ease of writing stories for the for the DM. Yeah. But you don't have to. If your no. DM's like, fine, you guys can just play gross monsters that fly around eating people, then sure, the rules are there to support it. Yeah, and I mean, the book does say, like, hey, GMs, if you want to, you can allow these or not. We... Put the actual character creation rules for them in the back of the book where all the uh, monster, like, uh, the, the, the weird the stuff is. Yeah. But the, oh, the the person who runs the game is the CP or oh, the okay. city planner. That's right. The city planner. In, in one of the weirder versions of the DM that we've heard of so far. Yeah. So it's like, oh, in the CP section are the rules for that. So if your players really are familiar with the game and... They want to run around as a half Greer 
then sure, whatever. Uh, CP so, is taking on a horrible meaning since that time period. I know. It's kind of weird that it's... But that's okay. You you can play as a ch- if you're running the game. You, you are can play a, as Comet Pizza. You can play as Comet Pizza, man. The, what this world has come to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's that was for me really interesting is how much they put into this game for the uh, the different type of monsters you can be. Yeah. No, that was very inventive. Uh, how about you? What's the best thing for you? What's my favorite thing? Yeah. Uh, brown paper packages. Oh, tied up with string. All tied up with string. Man, you know what I love? Whiskers on kittens. Yeah, that's that's a great thing to love. I'm sorry. My favorite thing in this book is going to be the. I'm going to say the inventiveness of it in general. I love the setting. I mean, normally yeah, I almost said the setting. It's because because I love the concept of the setting, and what I mean by the setting is the interpersonal relationships between all these monsters. Now they have like gang wars that are happening between monsters and and rules for how monsters can interact with other monsters and and how they're how they can contact the human press to get things done because here's the thing it's spoiler alert my least favorite thing is also going to be the setting huh so anyway I, I love that aspect of the setting and john what is your least favorite thing man i gotta go with the skill system in this i mean i know i harp on that shit a lot it's a bad skill system it is not only just one of the but the pet peeves that I have of way too many skills, uh-huh. but you get no option of having a decent spread. And the fact that it is, instead of like point by or you pick a number and you get X amount of points in it, the fact that you have to roll randomly to see how many you get means one player might be able to have a decent amount of like points and stuff because mm-hmm. you're gonna go one d10 at a time oh yeah you'll be like okay this skill roll a d10 all right was that good enough no okay roll another one all right that was good we'll move on but you have that one guy who's like i'm gonna make a gunsmith joe he's the best gun gunner in the gunny lands and he, he's like all right i'm putting a d10 into guns one another d10 into guns one another d10 into guns one all right so at the end i have 20 in guns <laughs> yeah the the skill system in this was really poorly thought out. I mean, it, it does the same sort of thing with your random generated stats, but at least the monsters all go like, what are you supposed to be good at? Here's a big bonus to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even if you roll sort of poorly, if you're a ghost, you just have weapon immunity to anything that isn't like fire or cold iron. Mm-hmm. So what do you care what your stats are? Like the stats aren't as important but the skill system is utter garbage. Yeah, it's not a very well divided. It's just too random. They, they yeah. kind of messed up on the randomness. It's it's unnecessarily random in a situation where you're going to unbalance your own game. Yeah, in the in if they had even just one of these, like if it was a skill list of say thirty skills and you got twenty dice worth, I'd be like, okay. Or if it was you know a hundred skills, but you got a good amount of skill points to put wherever you want. Sure, the combination of the two is wretched. So there you go. That's mine. What's your least favorite thing in a nightlife? Brown paper packages tied up with anything <laughs> other than string. Yeah. When you get those brown paper packages and they're tied up with ribbons, I'm like, the fuck are you oh, doing? What is this nonsense? You use ribbons with wrapping paper and, str- and twine or string with brown paper. Get your shit together, <laughs> clerk. <laughs> Sir, excuse me. I would like to see your manager. <laughs> I would like to see him naked. Oh, sorry. Uh, I, just, oh. I, I mean, I, I just like to see him. Naked. Damn it. Damn it. I'm going to (laughs) go. I should go. So my least favorite thing in this book, and this is going to be an example of Jeff being wildly unfair to an old game. 
I hate stuff set in New York. Lol. <laughs> it's just overdone. There's too much New York stuff out there. Eh, it's it's not the worst thing example of it ever. It's just oh boy, the 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 big city where everything happens, the center of the world. When you are in New York, it is an un, it's a place like no other. People who leave New York are always talking about how much they miss New York. And I I'm mean, like, le- you can fucking take it. At least for me, I'm like, you know, New York is a decent enough place to set your monster game. Because if you see someone that looks super weird, you're like, well, I'm in New York. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Although I do that all the time anyway. I'm in San Diego. I see some gross thing on the bus. I'm like, eh. Eh, you're gonna get John. You're gonna get that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's normal. I, so uh, I mean, you know, there's a great place they could have set this game, Santa Carla. Uh, you know where all the damn vampires are. That would have been a fine place to set the game. Oh, you set the game in New Carla, New Jack City. Yeah, New Jack Swing City. Yeah, New <laughs> <laughs> New Jack Sing Swing City of Heroes. There you go. That's where it's gonna be set. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's it. Otherwise, I actually kind of like this game is the thing. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't terrible. It's got some real issues in the skill system, but... Uh, for, it, for a game that came out in 91, this is downright playable. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> this is brilliant for 91. It's crazy good. Yeah. So, and it's it's unheard... I've never heard of it. I've heard of so many games, and this is this just slid right past me. Yeah, well, it's the same people who made Ace Agents, yeah, which we stellar, reviewed before. Yeah, it's stellar games, so they have made other things. And this isn't even, like, the only book in the line. This book actually had a couple of supplements that came out and floated around at some point. Oh, yeah, one of the biggest ones is their supplement for Wizards, and it is, all throughout this book, keeps going like... Oh, and uh, this thing hates sorcerers. For more information on that, buy our book Magic in Nightlife. And you're like, uh, fuck, <laughs> stop putting like little ads for your other book throughout this book. Right. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting to me because when I first started reading this, I hadn't checked the year it came out. And I saw that. It was like, check out our supplement for sorcerers. I was like, man, how much more White Wolf can this book get? <laughs> that the one big expansion for it is just Mage. They're like, whoops, sorry, we forgot to put Mage in there. Here oh, you, damn. Here you go. And if you want to play a race of fantasy heroes from the from a uh, prehistoric era, check out our other book that has Exalted. I mean, uh, Heroes of tra- uh, of Antiquity. The, the, the Risen Up. The, 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 the Divine Nadies. The... the, the Sunly Exaltos. <laughs> Sunly Exalto. Yeah. I think I have my character for the bonus content. <laughs> Speaking of the bonus content, folks, if you would... Wait, hang on. John, would you play this game? Uh, Yeah, sure. Why not? I would too. Great. Speaking of the bonus content, folks, <laughs> if you want to support us on Patreon at any level whatsoever, you get the bonus content, which is where we make characters in the game that we just reviewed. Uh, which, by the way, we would both totally play. This was a neat, fun game. I, I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, uh, I think my character is going to be John Mellon Cougar Train. <laughs> well, I'm going to be making Sun Lee Exalto. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about you. So, uh, so yeah, th- that's uh, the Patreon. Otherwise, if you want to contact us, you can do so at SystemMastery at Gmail, uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, you name it, or Reddit. We're in all these places and all these things. You can find us, ask us your questions, send us your RPG uh, recommendations, your questions for Afterthought, your movie recommendations, whatever you want to send us. We're out there. We exist. You can contact us. Yep, it's fine. If you want to just send us a dead rat, whatever, that's cool. 
Yeah, John loves dead rats. That's yeah, his, come on, Jared Leto. Give me some more of those. He's got a whole pile of used Jared Leto stuff. Dead rats, condoms, fetal pigs. Yep, just all over there. Man, you get on Jared Leto's mailing list, and uh, it is just a gross cavalcade of stuff being shoved through your mail slot. <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I think you do. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been a fun one. We'll see you in a little while with another episode. Until then, have a good week. <laughs>